Good morning. Welcome to the Hardcore Mortgage Show podcast we do every Wednesday. I'm Harvey Free, joined by Lisa Lawson from our office. Good morning, Good morning Lisa. Everybody. Morning, everybody. Hope, Hope Williams morning. on also. Hey, Hope. All right. Hope's with Keller Williams. The uh, Hope, What is that? Keller Williams Advantage, Hope? Keller Williams Advantage out of Nova. That's right. Oh, fantastic. That's a busy office. I know a lot of people over there. Excellent. That's Excellent place. Yes. Great location, too, because, you know, and so many people not only are looking towards that way, they're looking even further west. And we've had that conversation recently on the show, too, Hope, about how many families, if you can't, if you can't buy something right in Novi, Northville, where it's saturated, Plymouth and Can, maybe going west could be uh, something your family could really have some equity in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we are very broad. We have over a thousand agents, so definitely able to assist throughout you know, that west side and even a little bit further east too. So, Well, I know you handle all of Metro Detroit, so we're going to talk this morning all about a couple strategies and things that are going on out there. Lisa, one of the things that uh, Hope brought up, which is really interesting, we'll, we'll go right into it, was working with maybe a buyer's agent versus a listing agent and sort of play those roles that everyone plays. If you guys want to go into that, go for it. Yeah, if you want to take it. Yes, um, absolutely. That is a a big one with me right now because where we are in the market, right? Everybody wants to get the deal, um, and there there obviously is a shortage on housing. So the the common thought is if I call the listing agent or I submit an offer through the listing agent, I have a better chance at getting the house. Um, and it, it, it could work that way, but one of the issues that I have with it is that you may not have the protection that you need um, under the fiduciary laws that a buyer's agent is held to. So people don't realize that a long time ago in Michigan, it was a default um, law to uh, for all agents to represent the seller. So it's a benefit for you to actually be able to go in with representation and um, actually be able to nego- negotiate a deal. So you, you, you may get the deal, but at what cost are you going to get the deal is the big question. Yeah, Lisa, we've seen all sorts of strange language and some really well-written addendums uh, regarding escalation clauses and things that are going on in today's market. Yeah, you know, I think part of that is obviously working with a good and experienced agent, kind of to piggyback on what Hope was saying with the buyers and sellers, um, the differential here. I always tell buyers, yes, you know, it's important to be represented by your own interest. So your own interest should be represented and not the seller's interest. When you have a buyer's agent, they're looking out for you as the buyer. They're not looking out for the seller. They're not trying to make sure the seller makes the most money or doesn't pay concessions. You know, and I always think it's really important that you should have somebody representing your interests separate from the person you're buying the house from. And I think the majority of the loan officers here feel that way, even in this market, you know, um, there's a lot of things going on. And like, and like Hope said, there's a misnomer out there that you'll get a better deal if you put in an offer in with the listing agent. And that's not necessarily the case. You know, not all listing agents are discounting their commission just because they get both sides. All you're doing is, is you know, just feeding them. So I just definitely want to piggyback on that. You know, and working with an experienced agent helps them or helps you put together a well-structured deal that protects your interest as the buyer. It can protect the seller. It can make sure that everybody gets what they want and what they need, but it has to be written in a way that's clear and concise so everyone understands it. You know, um, whether it's an escalation clause or appraisal guarantee, you know, everybody needs to make sure that they're on board and understand how that's written and what it means. 
Yeah, if I may um, just piggyback on that a little bit. Um, part of part of having a buyer's agent is about having a relationship with someone who's going to communicate what each phase, because every phase of the deal, the inspection, the appraisal, each area of that uh, process is a renegotiation uh possibility. Your listing agent may not tell you all of that. If your inspection comes back and they keep the house, for instance, as accepting backup offers, they may just move on to the next one. You know, so there are so many things that you don't know that could possibly end up with you wasting money and not having clear understanding of why you wasted money. In a nice way, I want to say buyers really don't know what they don't know. We know that we're in the industry. We do this every day. We've said this on the radio show. We've said it on podcasts. Many buyers don't even read their purchase agreement. After the fact, they're struggling to get an attorney when they realize they signed the wrong things. There's so many facets of a transaction. And without proper representations, where we're going with this, you really could be in trouble again. A lot of times I've heard these re repeated back to me, the listing agent, because they're representing both sides. Oh, don't worry about that. She said, if I wanted to walk away, I'm going to lose my money. Those things are all never true. And without proper representation, and you don't do this every day, you really need to have someone in your corner. Lisa, we talk about how important it is to have, you get like a Hope Williams and a Lisa Lawson on your team. Now you can go buy a house. Yeah, I think experience and having the knowledge that you need to make things go smoothly is important. You know, our goal is is the is the end line. We all want you to get the house that you want and be able to move in and create a life and a home for you and your family. Um, so in the future, you have no issues. That's the goal here. No loan officer goes into this business saying, I want to make as many obstacles as possible. So my buyers feel like they're doing 18 million things they don't have to do. That's not the goal. We sometimes ask for things that seem excessive. That's because we have the experience. We know underwriters are going to need it. You know, we understand um, what's going to happen and we want to be prepared. You know, and that's, I think the goal here is that, you know, we get as much preparation and knowledge as possible. So you have an easy time, you know, of, you know, throughout this transaction and that you get to the end as a happy homeowner, not yes. a frustrated, you know. It's supposed to be a lot of fun anyways. Usually it is. Uh, yeah, it usually is. Hey, Hope, definitely let's dive into that because you're, you're good with this stuff. These escalation clauses that are written with appraisal, in regards to the appraisal guarantee, let's go over how that should be worded and a couple of do's and don'ts. Okay, absolutely. Appraisal guarantees and escalation clauses are becoming more popular. They've always been around. Um, and again, I'd like to mention that this is something that even well-seasoned agents who've been in the business for a long time may not have the you know have a, a good grasp on right now because they have not always been used as much as they are being used now. So oftentimes I'll go into a deal um, with my client, with my buyer, and we'll put together for. And typically, let me explain. Let me take a step back. Very hot properties that have been well marketed typically need. Um, so when you see the summit coming soon, they typically need uh, appraisal guarantees because you're going to have a lot of competition with those homes. Right. And so I let my buyers know while they're watching this house over the next uh, you know, week, someone else is possibly too. A lot of people are watching on Zillow and everything. So those are the homes that, you know, they've been HGTV'd up. That's one of my <laughs> one of my coins. And you, you're going to have to compete for them. So what is that competition? That appraisal guarantee says to the buy, to the owner that in the event the appraisal doesn't come in at what it's expected to, you're going to make up the difference because the bank is only going to pay what that house appraises for. So you are going to put more money in that owner's pocket 
if that appraisal isn't what everyone expects. How should it be written? It should be written in a way where you have a ceiling, meaning the highest amount, amount that you're willing to pay, and a ceiling, uh, and a floor, excuse me. I always uh, see, more, more commonly, I'm beginning to see folks writing it up with the highest amount and no floor. And I have to call and say, hey, listen, if you don't have a floor, your, uh, your uh, excuse me, your uh, owner will have to accept whatever offer comes through. And they're, it's hard for people to get. I've had this happen three times over the last month. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah those, a couple of these things are really simple too, right? It's like, slow down, write up that nice addendum. I mean, you can add anything on addendum. It's a blank sheet of paper. You're making reference to the original purchase agreement and purchase price. And as you mentioned, a specific ceiling and a floor of what the even the seller would be willing to, to accept on the house. And usually that floor, and we'll use an example of, a, let's say 300,000. Well, we'll say three, and then the maximum is 320. And then the basement could be 5,000 over the lowest, uh, uh, let's say the base, the basement, the, the bottom number, 295. Right. So then we go 295, add 5,000, you're at 300,000. You're at 300. I feel like that sort of is easy enough to for the average person listening. All right, let's move on to some other stuff. <laughs> Michelin, definitely. I love talking about uh, purchases and what negotiations. Michelin, I keep getting calls, these young buyers. I want to reach out to the elementary schools and the middle school teachers and say, of course, then in high school, what can we do to start teaching financial literacy? Because I'm sorry to say that it is always these clients that need the assistance. Keep They do the craziest thing. They don't maybe they don't start by educating themselves on any of it. They're, they're hardworking blue collar people. They don't establish credit lines. They max out their credit cards. They don't have good savings patterns. They weren't taught any of the good habits. We see it all the time, Lisa. Yeah, unfortunately. So even with Mishtun, if, even if you're lucky enough to qualify for one of these programs and get assistance, it does not mean yeah. that you aren't putting money into the transaction. Mishtun requires a minimum of 1% of the sales price. But depending on the program, you're only going to get $7,500 or ten dollars Someone's trying to buy a $200,000 house with Mishta and, you know, they're doing say FHA with Mishta three and a half percent down and they only qualify for the $7,500. That means seven grand right there is going to go for that three and a half percent. That gives you $500 left for closing costs, taxes, homeowners insurance, prepaids, everything else, which means you're going to be bringing thousands of dollars to closing, which is way more than that 1%. It's not going to be just two grand. So, you know, you have to work with the loan officer that can explain all these things. Money can be gifted to you. You can take it out of retirement, you know, um, savings accounts and things like that. But if you think that you're going to get in for absolutely nothing or just that 1%, that's, that's not the case. You know, we, we're setting people up for success. You know, I unfortunately get clients who've been pre-approved elsewhere for things like Mishta and they come and they say, well, I have my 1%, but they don't realize that that's the minimum. It could be more, you know, and then all of a sudden they don't have the funds to close or no one explained to them everything that was involved or that they had to pay their taxes in advance and they had to pay insurance in advance and, and such. So um, they end up with not enough money for closing and all of a sudden this deal falls apart. So having being prepared and having the correct education so you have a clear understanding what's required, I think is so important, whether you have a ton of money or you're using one of the down payment assistance programs. Great stuff. Hey, I want to transition into one of these topics that I've always liked. Some of the clients out there are definitely trying to buy houses and their credit might not be as good and they're, they're, they're working their way towards, you know, buying this next house. And, um, well, 
the, and then at the end of the day, they're getting their hopes up. Sometimes families need to really contact us now. It's like, I'm trying to reach out to these families and say, hey, get with us today so you could buy a house six months from now. Lisa, it, it run me the wrong, wrong this morning. I truly thought I had a new buyer. I was excited for them. And then when I ran the credit and I'm just like, if you just opened up five new credit cards and maxed them out last month and you're still calling a lender to buy a house and you don't have any money saved, it sort of becomes a dead end. All right. I don't want to rant on that. Let's go off to uh, what to expect during the buying process. I always like that. What to expect during the buying process, Hope, uh, after the inspection. You know, just your, it's hard enough to get your offer accepted. Let's say it's a straight transition. There's very few things with the, uh, that are wrong with the house. Tell me right now, are sellers looking for 30, 60 days? What's the norm in today's buying process? Oh, yeah. Um, they want to get closed as quickly as possible. Um, the inspection time frame is even a negotiation point, right? Um, typically, you'll see, and, and just to compete, you'll see people put four days down or three days down. And some people are even saying they'll skip the inspection, which I, I would never recommend, right? They waive it. So the process that um, is really important to me is to understand what amount of time, first of all, that you're going to need. Um, and also what happens if the inspection doesn't go so great. You know, if you're looking at a house that is a fixer upper um, and, and you love it because it fits in your budget, you need to have in the back of your mind, uh, is this, and, and hopefully your agent, mm -hmm. Vet, uh, vetting to the other agent, the listing agent, the buyer's agent should be vetting the other uh, listing agent to see, are they willing to make repairs before you spend money on a home that really needs a lot of fixing up, you know? So each point is a negotiation stage and you just need to understand, like Lisa mentioned, what, how much money do you have to play with at the end of the day? Hope you really helped me because I was, I was making my point before I sort of lost my train of thought on it and you brought me back around to where I was going. I had a clients that were able to buy a house. It really wasn't up to FHA, but they accepted an FHA offer. We had it in writing and then my buyer went in and fixed up the house. The sellers had no problem with them fixing up. It was an outbuilding needed to be scraped and painted and power washed. There was exposed wood and some doors that needed to be painted and some trim. They allowed him to do all these things. A lot of times, the agents just have to call the other agents and say, look, if grandma's not living there, give it 60 days. We'll fix the house up and we'll close in the next couple months. A lot of times grandma needs some time to get out of there or she's already moved and she needs a tra uh, transition or family members have to come and help her move out. So a lot of times it's just a couple extra phone calls to find out where's everyone's motivation. I think the theme today is communication, 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 relationship building, which is what I really believe in building my business on. Yeah. Uh, you're really well spoken, Lise. If you want to keep going, Lisa, I'll just keep talking because I hope I didn't know you were going to be this easy and roll to roll with phone. But I like the I like really the topics you brought up. Lisa, give us some uh, final thoughts here on what's going on in today's mortgage world. Yeah, I was going to say Hope nailed it on the head. Communication, communication, communication could not be more important now than ever. So we're all busy. You know, sometimes people just say, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. It takes two seconds to pick up the phone. There's a lot of times where I get an email and I'm responding with a phone call. I know that's not always ideal, but I can get it done a lot faster. So, you know, make sure that you're available, listen to what's happening um, because communication is key in this business. You know, you, you don't know what you don't know, right? I mean, that's why people say that. So in order to be successful, 
We need to, you know, acquire the knowledge to make sure that you understand as a, as a buyer what you're getting into, that we are explaining it to you. Like, here are all your options. What do these options mean and what their differences are? You know, and I think that's key. I think if everybody um, just took an extra minute, you know, picked up the phone or sent, you know, an email with, with clear indications of what's expected, this would be a much easier process for a lot of people. For sure. Oh, give us something. Of course, we'll see you Saturday morning on our show. We're going to be broadcasting live at nine o'clock. Hope oh, just give us a little final something uh, for our Wednesday here. Okay. I, again, like we said, communication and find someone who you feel comfortable with communicating. You have to have trust um, and they have to be able to be honest with you. Don't shoot the messenger. Be open to hearing from both your mortgage people and as well as your uh, agent representation, the truth about the directions and the steps that you need to take to move forward. Hope Williams, thanks for joining us. Another version of the Hardcore Mortgage Show podcast. We do this every Wednesday. Hope Williams from Keller Williams Advantage uh, and out there in Novi. She works the whole Southeast Michigan area. Of course, uh, Lisa Lawson, I'm Harvey Freed. We are with Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation, NMLS 2289, Equal Housing Lender. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We'll catch you next Wednesday.